Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Spotlight on Sports, the show where we tackle sport and social issues. This week, religion. Will Hopawade of the Cantry Bulldogs has controversially opted out of this Sunday's match as a result of his Mormon beliefs and will therefore sit out of the Bulldogs' first finals match against the Panthers. What do we think of Hopawada's decision? And for that matter, what role does religion have in sport? But first, some NRL and AFL news. I'm your host, Christopher Vins, and I'm here with Jeff Dickinson-Fox. Finally, it's finals. And Andrew Paloxy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the AFL finals myself. <laughs> so... Just quantify, you're looking forward to both finals or more so the NRL there, uh, Jeff? Look, both will provide some entertainment. I will at least watch the AFL Grand Final. Uh, so, <laughs> you know. Pencil yourself in for, for one game at least. At the moment. Always, always. You, you aren't a sports fan if you're not watching the Grand Final of the most popular sport in Australia. So, Well, people who aren't sports fans just... Tune in sometimes for exactly. the because it, it's and the final. I'll be pretty much the reverse of Jeff, probably. I'll, I'll probably watch the uh, the grand final of the NRL, even if I don't get around to seeing <laughs> the other games. And the NRL was interesting over the past week with some big blowout uh, wins for the Raiders, the Storm, and the Panthers. And we also had upsets with the Rabbitohs and the Eels, which was a big one. And, of course, that Raiders win, which I mentioned, means the Titans are through to the finals for the first time in a long time. Now, a resident Queensland fan with a hand in every que- hand and foot and playing Twister with every side. Queensland team, <laughs> every side, just about, Andrew, but a uh, fan of every Queensland team. Uh, Jeff, you must be happy with the, the Titans in the finals, even if they are playing against your... Other team, other Queensland team? Yeah, it's all right. Absolutely, it's all right. We've got all four Queensland NRL teams in the finals. We've got the Broncos, we've got the Titans, got the Cowboys and the Melbourne Storm. So really, it's it's an exciting time for Queensland Rugby League. And let's just pause for a moment because how good is this? We're opening the show with NRL. Like, I'm not sure when or if this is ever going to happen again, but let's just... Take a couple of seconds to uh, to appreciate that we're we're opening with the NRL, but anyway, we uh, we certainly did have some exciting matches last week, and uh, the probably one of the biggest turning points of the of the round was the Canberra Raiders against the West Tigers. West Tigers had to win at home to make it into the finals and knock out said Titans, but they turn in an atrocious performance, and the Canberra Raiders rolled them in uh, Robbie's Power's last appearance as a West Tiger at the club and uh yeah they just yeah the Canberra Lays didn't let up like they didn't have to win but a win would have got them a home final which they they went on and earned and the the opportunity to knock out the Raiders was obviously there knock out the Titans was obviously there for the West Tigers given the Titans didn't win their match but uh they didn't take their opportunity and they were blown out so they were and then the uh the the Warriors and the Eels like that was a, a pretty a pretty crazy game that I was watching the, the warm-up before the start of the game and we were in New Zealand, it's late on a Sunday night and it's pouring with rain. You're thinking, well, this is going to be a dud game, not much points. But uh, neither team really showed like they wanted to defend and uh, and they let in a lot of points. 40 points, 18 was the final score to the Eels and they, 
they ended a rather turbulent season with uh, a really strong performance. But uh, the football side, the Eels, not not the the drama. I mean, Corey Norman was out of it. You leave them out, or the ninety percent, eighty percent of that of those players on that team stuck with a consistent effort and got some good wins and results throughout the year. They never let off. So, any was that surprising for you guys, considering this, the salary cap uh, punishment that they got handed down early in the season? Yeah, I guess I guess it is because um, they got pretty pretty hefty punishment. And it is always difficult to lift yourself mentally when you know there's nothing really on the line when you're when you're playing. So it is it is a bit of a surprise, but it's it shows good signs for them as they go on to next year. Yeah, and not all of them had a contract to play for. Some of them were signed up for next year, didn't have to worry about finding another paid uh, contract for the next couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, well done to them. Dragons and Knights, look, that doesn't warrant any more than 10 seconds. They basically had a captain's challenge uh, rule, trial and error. So only uh, only this referee's decisions that a captain wanted to challenge were sent to the video referee, and that sped up the game. It took 20 minutes off the game. So it uh, sped up the game. Some people liked it. Uh, it'll require more testing uh, to, to see if it'll actually work in the NRL one day, but it's an option. It might work. Uh, the Panthers, they had a massive win on uh, on the weekend. The Manly Eagles, they destroyed them. Um, and then coming into the finals, which was what I really want to talk about because the Panthers were always going to win that game. Uh, but they've had so many blowouts, and it's such a young team. They may not be ready for finals football, and, and it may surprise them coming up against the Bulldogs, even though the Bulldogs are the the worst carry the worst form of any NRL team into the finals. And then it's a something... regular phrase of yours, uh, Jeff, to say that they are one of the most inconsistent teams out there. They're consistently inconsistent, and yeah. that's my that's my line of uh, thoughts on their team. And maybe something you guys can comment on: the Storm had a big win to seal the minor premiership on Saturday. Yeah. So, what do you think of the the Storm's finals chances this week, uh, Andrew? I reckon they're pretty good. I mean, something would have to happen for me to to start tipping against them. And and given that this week we're playing at Amy Park. Um, you know, uh, and the Storm obviously were the minor premiers. There's no reason to go against them at the moment. And the the, the other thing as well in our favour as Storm supporters is that the Cowboys haven't necessarily been the best team out there on the away game matches. No, yeah, I'm not this, sure exactly what the, what are the statistics on there. Well, last year they were very good. For the 20 years that the Cowboys have been around, 21 years, They've always played terrible away from North Queensland, and it's been so bad that even a winning record at home couldn't get them in into the finals. Last year, they had a an excellent away record. They they won about eight or nine of their twelve away games. This year, they've lost more than they have won on the road. So, sort of falling back into old ways. There, uh, we will see if that's still a problem for them in the finals because they they are peaking at their best form. Coming into the finals, we'll see. A lot of people, a lot of experts are saying the Cowboys are better than they were 12 months ago. I don't necessarily agree with that, just because of some of the injuries they're carrying and some of the the uh, and and their position on the ladder. Like there's the rest of the league hasn't got a whole lot better compared to last year. For the Cowboys to finish fourth, that means we have got better teams in this competition. So it's yeah, the Cowboys are probably going to struggle with uh, playing games away in the finals. And do, you, do we have any idea what the weather's going to be 
like on that night, supposedly? We're looking for clear. We're either it's uh, been fluctuating, but uh, we've had predictions of sun and cloud or just cloud, but no rain or showers have been predicted. So, uh, yeah, both both teams can win in in any conditions. They they're very much suitable and, and can adapt and play their best in in whatever conditions they're given. And then we've got the the Rabbitohs. They won big and over the Bulldogs and. You know, if uh, if there was another month to the season, the Rabbitohs might have won some more games, and the Bulldogs might have lost a few more. And and based on that game, the, the Rabbitohs showed they probably deserved to be in the finals more than the Bulldogs. But there's uh, they just weren't able to to have us play their best for for much of the season. They uh, they lost a few guys to injury, and there was you know their morale and their attitude to the game was not that great. But uh, better luck next year for the. South Sydney Rabbitohs and Brisbane won through. Can't move on without mentioning Brisbane. So they weren't that great, but uh, yeah, you give them a, a dud week. Some old habits are out of the system. Regular season's finally gone. They can now focus on the finals just, and win We just big. can't stop him, can we, Chris, when he gets on to Queensland? <laughs> well, I'm finished. <laughs> He's just proven you're wrong there. It is certainly is concerning, I agree, uh, Jeff, for the poor old... Bulldogs, and we'll have a bit of a chat more later in the podcast about why that's a problem, especially with Will Hopawate absent for that crucial match. But something you will be a bit more interested in than Queensland, Andrew, is the AFL finals, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, we're moving on to a different kind of Bulldog here, aren't we? (laughs) The Bulldog, which is not the favourite in this case, uh, it's gonna gonna be a difficult game to face West Coast in their conditions, Andrew. Yeah, well, I, I think obviously West Coast has had a very strong record at home throughout the season, and also the uh, the Bulldogs have made a lot of changes for this game. Uh, supposedly five players coming in. Uh, we, we've got East Eastern Wood back, uh, Tom Liberatore, Jack McRae, Jordan Roughhead, and Jake Stringer, and. Out of that lot, String is the only one who's who's actually been out of the side based on form. The others are all coming back from injury, um, and they're replacing Minson, Stevens, Roberts, Horvath, and, and Williams. But yeah, I, I've I've got question marks on how how well uh, some of those players will go because um, we know that you know lack of match fitness can can be a real problem during Especially finals. Especially at this time of year, with the finals at this time of year. It's important to be match ready as soon as you get on the park, really. Yeah, and I just sort of think maybe you can get away with a couple of players coming back from reasonably long layoffs, but that many, I, I'm not sure. Although, who knows, maybe someone like Stringer might just really... And the thing with Stringer as well, he's not been injured. He's been in the VFL, so he yeah. might be the most match ready out of the replacement guys that are out with injury, but... We'll see how they go. I think the fact that, you know, you've got Stringer, McRae, and obviously Easternwood, some very good players might play to their advantage and keep the game tight, but West Coast are going to be hard to beat on their conditions, I think. Yeah, definitely. Easternwood, actually, I reckon is a, is a great player. Fantastic mark. Um, I'd love to get him in a red, white, and black jumper someday. <laughs> <laughs> As we uh, know from for our viewers, Andrew's a big St Kilda fan. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yep. Member of the St Kilda, proud member of the St Kilda Cheer Squad, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> Just on that West West Coast Bulldogs game, 
it's a, scheduled for a Thursday night, and, and the and the kickoff of oh, the tip off of ball up of there we go right sport <laughs> six ten. Been watching a bit too much. Uh, Following Jared Haynes' career a bit too much. Not sure what, you're, six, what sport you're talking six about. 6.10. Goodness me. Well, 6.10 in early. Western Australian time, not, six, not our time. Yeah, isn't that yeah. interesting how you know AFL expands over to the Western states and they've got to start at 6.10 local time. Yeah, well, I mean, Victoria is going to make up the bulk of the viewers because it's a Victorian Yeah, but it makes it pretty sport. hard for people over there, doesn't it, if they've got to yeah, go you, to work during the day and then get to I the mean, game. this isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, we've had uh, the 2002 Soccer World Cup draw our good friend Jordan. What an obscure reference that is. They had... No, just wait, wait, wait. They had matches on at horrendous time of the morning in... Korea and Japan for the American and European audience just so that they could get better time, prime time TV for their television viewing. But does the but fact what that time someone was else it is, local time? Uh, four or five in the morning, horrific times like that. D- does the fact that someone else has done it though justify well, doing I'm that just or saying, is it just no, someone I'm else just made saying a silly that that's decision not, as well? <laughs> that's not one AFL finals match two hours earlier at 6.15, this is a whole soccer tournament, one of the biggest tournaments in world sport <laughs> at a time like five in the morning. I mean, over here we have yeah, a Grand Prix is... drivers going around when it's twilight virtually, when it's not really the safest time to be driving so that hmm. we can fit in with TV schedules in Europe. But I'm just I saying argue if you're willing thing. to make that concession for the biggest tournament, one of the biggest tournaments in world sport, then surely you'd be able to make a slightly more acceptable uh, change to an AFL finals match. I suppose it depends whose perspective you're looking at it from. I mean, from as I was saying, if you were over in Western Australia and you were working, it would make it very hard to get to the game. And, and for Bulldogs supporters over here, you know, playing on a, on a Thursday, it means that they've probably got to try to get two days off work instead of the one if it was a Friday game. So yep. there's a couple of issues there in terms of actually getting people to the ground, I guess. You shouldn't have too many issues. Like, I Peak think... hour traffic. Like, if you have a 7.30 or 7 o'clock game... Yeah, you beat the beat the traffic. Well, not, you don't beat it. You, you, have to, you have to wait in. You still have traffic. It's not as bad as 5, 6 o'clock, but yeah. a 6 o'clock uh, tip... Ball up. Ball up, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's unimaginable that we'd play it at that time... In Melbourne on a on a weekday. Yeah, if, that, if it was, it was a, a six ten start in Melbourne, there would be a furore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we definitely hear plenty about it. Well, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here for to kick off our finals predictions, and I'll say that Greater Western Sydney have a very good chance. They've beaten Sydney already once this year, and they're playing them again this weekend for their their qualifying final. So I'd say they've got a chance to beat their big brother kind of team. And if they don't do that, they can certainly beat the winner of the the Adelaide-North Melbourne game coming up as well later on this week. So I'm tipping Greater Western Sydney to have a good run in the finals. What about you, Andrew? Well, I think they they may do okay in the finals, but I I wouldn't be backing them this week against who's the your, Swans. Uh, who's your overall tip to do? Not necessarily to win the whole thing, but to do well. Um, I'm 
pretty sure the Swans will go well. Yeah. They, yep. they, so they, you think they'll they'll probably go to a win this week and then do well in. Yeah, well, I mean, the, if they get the win this week, that'll put them through to the preliminary finals. Yeah. And they, then obviously that'll end up being in in Sydney. So. So they'll have the home be pretty advantage good chance. as well on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, even if they have to play away, they're pretty strong away as well. So. You won't be watching it mostly until the grand final, but do you have any thoughts, Jeff, as to who might do well this this week and leading up into the finals in general? Yeah, it's reasonable to accept Sydney to, to get over Greater Western Sydney for sure. Just such a young team that's that's really got to learn how to win in the finals. It's not something you can just... You need a lot of luck to be able to do it without much finals experience. It is definitely going to be a challenge for them, given that this is their first finals. Yes, yes. So, off the top of my head, I can't think of any franchise that's their first venture into a a finals competition have taken out a a competition. Um, Yes, yes. Ones you've got to think will be there definitely in the Premier League finals, most likely in the in the grand final. It's yeah. For me, it's very hard to see any different from the grand final of the previous two years. Like it's it's one likely of the, one of the big upsets this year we've had Collingwood and GWS and that was quite a way away from finals at that point, even then. But even at that point there were people in the paper and on T V saying, Goodness me, if GWS strut out there and they can't beat the Magpies, what on earth are they going to do when it comes to finals? Yeah, I mean, I guess these things are always going to happen from time to time, though. And, I mean, Collingwood's not a bad side. No, if they, get it they all together. certainly weren't up to $9 odds reflective of their performance as a team as they were on that game. But they did win, and they also won convincingly that game, and that they might have had a slightly more lacklustre ending to the year than they would have liked, but... Reasonable. Was that was that Collingwood Western Sydney game? Was that the one where Travis Travis Cloak Cloak came uh, back wore the gloves that he Travis Cloak came back. He wore the gloves and then he got in trouble. Yeah, so all the marks seemed to stick that day. So I don't think Travis Cloak (laughs) he can't win. He's not in the side. He's being taken the Mickey out of by Buckley. Comes back into the side and he does well. He still can't win. His gloves are wrong. Yeah. So poor old Travis Cloak. But uh, moving on from the AFL, and let's have a chat briefly about the Socceroos. Struggled last time they uh, had their World Cup qualifier against to get into the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. But this time around, it's been an easier start. Um, a nice, comfortable win over Iraq last Thursday and just a couple of days ago, 1-0 win against the UAE. Coming how else but through a late goal from Tim Cale, of course. And the Lord and Saviour. The Lord and Saviour of Australian I soccer. say that being the religious podcast we're yeah. doing today. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what we'll do without Timmy once he well. finally hangs up the boots. Where else are we going to get our late goals from in the 80th minute? <laughs> let's let's hope he does get the the choice to hang up the boots after all he's done for Australia, and he doesn't end up with the uh, the Brad Scott style treatment. I'd like be shocked Boomer if he Harvey. got dropped like that. I'd be shocked. But I think um, 
Postacoglu though, he's he's pretty strong with picking sides. He's he's ruthless, and he he's gone for um. We saw when he took over the side for the World Cup in Brazil, he had a very youthful approach. He's always looking to the future. So Jeff may be may be on to something. You you heard it first on the spotlight on sports. Perhaps Tim Cahill's not in for the uh, grand swan song that he perhaps would like, choosing his own retirement. I mean, they're such in- international games. They're all so important. It's not that often you get some friendly that doesn't mean much that you can happily play one of your, your star national uh, soccer players and, and not worry about the results. So it's it's just too I, high quality of a game to, to be playing really people. You can really only do that when you're so far on top there's no conceivable way back like i remember there was a world cup match with colombia and japan i think colombia were three nil or four nil up and they decided just for fun just for the sake of a nice send-off to bring on their goalkeeper one of their older goalkeepers is became the oldest goalkeeper to play in the world cup and he was over 40 just with three or four minutes to go. They're 4-0 up. Why not give this older guy an opportunity just to to for the Colombian fans to see him off? It's nice that there's still a bit of sent- sentiment and emotion in sport, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> not, it's not all business yet. It might might eventually be from what what's Jeff saying about maybe Tim Cahill won't get the send-off you, you might like, but... Uh, Interesting thing about that Iraq game last Thursday, none of us are right. Jeff saying minus two to zero or something. Minus one, one. Minus one, one was his prediction. Two, one from Andrew and three, nil from Jordan. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit disappointed with that, that two, the game against Iraq ending up being two, nil there. I was, I was really hoping to get that two, I one said, result after Jordan, our soccer expert, Got stuck into me about just picking out being, the most being traditional score. I think sitting on the fence. I think yes. I think Mister Switzerland. He yeah. called you. Yes, I think that that's right. Yeah, so I would have loved to have got stuck into him, but of course, did just didn't go my way. <laughs> and there we go. And they were playing in forty-five degree temperatures over in there Perth, in that game yeah. against the UAE. This oh, sorry, in the Perth match. Yeah, that was in the yeah, that UAE. Was that was quite a quite a hot one. Yeah, and I looked at the the weather for the the couple of weeks, the two week forecast for for in the in Qatar there, and basically <laughs> forty five degrees are the two weeks. It was their hottest day for two weeks. All the other days were 41, 42, 42, 40, so consistently at that mark. But Australia played in the toughest conditions that they could have been offered and came away with the win. So yeah, very proud of them for that achievement. Well, that's a pretty good. Very briefly before we move on. That doesn't necessarily bode well for 2022 unless they can somehow get giant air conditioners in the stadiums. In Retractable roofs first. You need yeah. that. Uh, sort of uh, Eddie had style. Very expensive, but they do have some money. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that's got some something to do with Qatari the fact got the that's, that was the that was the rumor, perhaps going around that they'd maybe paid some money under the table just to get make sure that they got the tournament. Yeah, because the next one's in Russia, so we know everything's above board there, don't we, boys? <laughs> Goodness me, FIFA, what are you doing? 
So that's going to be interesting. That has to be one of the weirdest ever tournament logos I've ever seen. The World Cup tournament logo looks like an alien's head for that 2018 Russia tournament. I don't think I've seen it yet. I haven't seen it. Well, you're on your own there, Chris. <laughs> we'll have to look at it during the week so we can bizarre. comment on, next, on the next show. Absolutely bizarre. It doesn't look like it would appeal you in any way to going to the World Cup at all. Maybe all next right, well, week I'll we tell the Australian side to not go. Maybe we could get some sort of a graphics expert in next week, do you reckon, <laughs> Jeff, to, to make comment on the design yeah. features? Or I'll get my eight-year-old cousin to come in and make up a design for them, <laughs> see what's better. <laughs> There we go. Oh, it's got some oh. swooshes there, like the Nike logo. Coming up now in the studio. It looks very majestic, like it's magical, like it's a magic festival rather than a, I a can soccer only see contest. Chris's computer here. Oh, I think it's a. Isn't that a soccer ball resting on something there? <laughs> Just so, Jeff. Maybe a combination of the trophy and a soccer ball. Well, well, where's the money being exchanged from the, the Russian bidders to the FIFA representatives? I can't see that in the logo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd be that brazen about yeah, it. Rubles? <laughs> yeah. They'd probably be done in American dollars, I guess, or something, would it? Yeah, the, you wouldn't get brown, Where's the brown paper bag? <laughs> I thought that was, that was back in the Joe Bioki peterson days. <laughs> so, we've had some discussion of the... Western Bulldogs, now back to the Canterbury Bulldogs for our main topic this week with religion and sports. Will Hopawato, of course, opting out of this Sunday's finals match against the Penrith Panthers because he is a Mormon and therefore has made the decision not to play on a Sunday. What do you guys feel about this controversial decision? Andrew... You read an interesting article in the Sydney Morning Herald saying that this is just not acceptable in football codes and should never have been allowed to happen. Uh, Do you agree with the author, Andrew Webster, I think his uh, name was? Well, I I can see what what he's saying in that, I mean, it's a professional sport and so... You know, you've, you've I think he said, if you're a baker, you get up early in the morning, and if you're a NRL player, you play yeah, football, well, they, whether it's on a Sunday, Friday, Saturday. That's true. I mean, it's not Hapoadi's fault at all. I mean, he was he was upfront about the whole thing, and the club decided to agree to a contract under those terms, so that's okay. I would be interested to know a bit more about how his teammates feel about the situation, because I imagine it's quite disruptive having a guy coming in and out of the side like and that. Especially and especially a key player as well. So Yeah, and the thing that I read that interested me the most actually in that article was the suggestion that perhaps Hopperwaita may consider playing in, in the grand final if his team gets that far, um, which made me think, well, the grand final obviously is on a Sunday, so if he if he can play on grand final day, then surely he can play on any other Sunday. It, it made me wonder exactly... What the strength of those beliefs are. He would are. make a exception for the grand final. He might as well play overall, you're saying. Was yeah, that well, a comment from Hopawati himself? No, that was a comment from the writer of the article. So yeah. it may not have been something that he really believes. It may just be a um, speculation that the writer's putting out there. See, so this is the thing. Hop- There's no comments in the media about what Hopawati 
about his well we know what his justification is but there's no he hasn't been available to all well, these have been available to the media but we haven't had Hopoate comment on this since near the start of the season so yeah to to be saying things like that is to, about he might play the grand final is, is pure speculation but to me it sounds like his his commitment to his faith would he would not consider a grand final yeah well I mean it just wouldn't make sense for him to play would it when he hasn't been playing on Sundays during the rest of the season. Yeah. We've also got another example, Vic Pollard, a former test cricketer for New Zealand. He opted out of matches that were played on a Sunday because he also was a Christian and didn't want to give up his Sabbath day because, and he was also occasionally gave the sermon at his church. So he didn't want to, miss out on any services and as a result of that he forfeited the test captaincy and potentially also a lot of the games in his career he only ended up playing 32 test matches and just three one day matches but he could have potentially even been the New Zealand captain and he had a very good tour of England in 1973 he made a century at Lords, which is it's quite a remarkable achievement to get your name on the board. So that's we've got another example of someone who, Hoppolato is not the only one, who's given up sport on a Sunday because of Christianity or because of religious beliefs. Another interesting thing, of course, is the whole debate with the AFL and whether we should play footy on Good Friday or not, which seems to come up every year, and it looks like next year they probably will be playing, but... Obviously, there's very divided opinion on whether that's a, a good idea or not. What do you think about that, Chris? Well, I think it it may it depends on how you view it. Really, like you could potentially view it as impeding on your religious beliefs and taking something away from a sacred day, or you could potentially view it as adding something to a sacred day. Because if we say take the angle that every time we do something like playing sport on a sacred day, then we would think of the match on Anzac Day as just the Collingwood Essendon Anzac Day match is just completely sacrilegious in, 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 in a national sense. But we don't. We think of the Anzac Day matches. We have our last post and we have the soldiers and a big national anthem and we see the Anzac Day match really adding to that national spirit and the respect we feel for the diggers and everyone who's given their lives over the world wars and the Boer War and the other conflicts that Australia's taken part in over the years. Yeah, so it becomes quite a fitting tribute then, really. I think, could we potentially have the same thing with a Good Friday match? Add add something to the religious element of it and, and, and add to the holiday rather than taking away from it? And even for the players competing in these games, they're pro- on game day, which Good Friday would be if there was a, a Good Friday match, like before on the day before kickoff, they they get up. Most of them have a pre-game routine where they wake up late and they are very relaxed and they don't do much before. They're certainly not training or anything like that before a game. They've got hours to themselves in a hotel room or wherever they are that that they haven't planned to do anything. Like there's there's plenty of time there for them to to acknowledge or or 
go for any uh, Good Friday uh, event or anything they want to want to do. They, they've got plenty of time to do that before a game, and and it would should fit seamlessly even if they have a game that night. Yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Just back to the Hopoate situation for a second, though, with with that contract arrangement. I'm not sure how long his contract is for with Canterbury, but one thing that crosses my mind is, you know, what what happens, for instance, if Canterbury ends up getting a whole lot of Sunday games in the draw at some point? <laughs> it could create <laughs> a bit of a dilemma. If gets renewed next year and they have a lot of... So that's a point that was made in the article. You're basically doing it on the literally on the luck of the draw. So if you get a lot of Sunday matches and you still have that written into your contract you're in trouble because it's disruptive when you lose one of the best players in your squad every time you play on a Sunday. Yeah, I agree. So just um, moving on, guys, what do we think the general role of religion in sport is? Do we think it maybe adds can, can add to the uh, motivation of a player at times? Like we've got Andrew Swallow... North Melbourne's captain, and he for him it's it's something he says that it gives him a little bit extra to play for to know that he's got that uh, support, and also Gary Abler has echoed Gary Abler Junior's echoed the same sentiments for Gold Coast that it helps him that extra energy on game day to know that there's a there's a religious belief he holds that can give him motivation. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems to be a, a major focus for for some sports people, and and I guess for them it does does provide a a motivation and a a sense of confidence, perhaps that they they got someone looking out out for them when they're well, out there. I think there's an interesting quote from the classic eccentric umpire Billy Bowden. He said, um, "When I got out of cricket because I." was diagnosed with arthritis and I couldn't play anymore, he discovered religion. And now he cites the cites God at his, as his third umpire. I didn't actually realise that Billy was, was very religious at all. Um, uh, yeah, he, he was devastated when he realised he had arthritis and uh, when he kind of discovered Christianity, I suppose you could say, really gave him a boost that he was needing and he got out of his depression. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of them keep it private. You know, it's a big part of their lives, but in terms of talking to the media about it or or making it public in their own friendship groups or in their own workplaces, it's it's not uh, generally speaking across, you know, commonly, it's kept pretty quiet by, by players. Yeah, and- this is what um, the thing with Andrew Swallow I'd mentioned before. He didn't necessarily mention straight off the bat, hey guys, I'm Christian, if you've got a problem with that, I don't want to have anything to do with you. He did say that he initially kept it pretty quiet when he arrived at North Melbourne and now, yep, the guys know, but he doesn't necessarily... Yeah, I must admit, I didn't even even realise that Andrew Swallow was religious. Obviously, I knew about Gary Ablett Jr. and Gary Ablett Sr. as well, for that matter, but... um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Obviously, uh, we hear we tend to hear if people are Muslim and they're playing sport. Well, yeah, it's... I mean, Andrew, I mean, Jeff was mentioning last week Usman Khwaja on my profile picture, and 
he said that, yeah, it's definitely a challenge for him playing cricket during Ramadan because just basically subsisting on water and you're playing on what can be 30-plus degree days standing out in the field or even under the shade of a pavilion all day can be can be draining. Yeah, and I mean, it does present a bit of perhaps a safety issue, doesn't it? As it well is, as, it is. As well as whether yeah. you know, you're, you're able to do the job for your team. When if, say, you happen to be batting at the crease in that sort of situation, it would be incredibly hard to stay focused and you could even, as you say, a dangerous situation. We could have an accident happen because you're not, you're just not, Mentally and physically, hundred percent there when you're hungry, as the Snickers yeah. ad goes. And and whether it's a whether it's cricket or it's footy or, or some other sport, I mean, you you have to have a certain level of awareness and concentration. So it is a, is an interesting situation. Maybe you should look to Will Hopalade in the contract he's managed to negotiate. Maybe Kawasha can get uh, in the contract that he doesn't play on Ramadan. Yeah, <laughs> might, be, <laughs> might be a possibility. <laughs> Yeah, you could uh, could uh, use that now for future and get extra religious clauses. Might would help uh, Bashahuli as well, who's got the Bashahuli Cup named after him, which is a tournament for Muslim schools to participate in AFL. I think that's a it's a great initiative because with Muslim schools, you've often got certain ethnic backgrounds dominating it different schools so one school might have a majority Lebanese background the other school might have a majority Afghani background but if you've got them all tossed in regardless of which ethnic group dominates they're all in a sense participating in football they're all getting into the game and they're all maybe on the path to producing the next Bashahuli. yeah yeah is that played every year that Bashahuli? I think that's a, that's a yearly tournament yeah between the Muslim schools in Victoria. Yeah, I didn't even realise I had that. But, um, so that's good, that's an initiative idea. that's come out of Bashahuli. As you say, it's some of the Muslim uh, sports people are a bit more vocal about their religion and that's something that's come out of Bashahuli being proud to be a Muslim and his involvement in that tournament. Yeah. I think that comes to another point that some sports are more conducive to displays of religion than others like perhaps a notable example from American sports is Tim Tebow he's very well known for being a Christian and there's a lot of NFL players who are quite vocal about their Christian beliefs perhaps a bit more so than AFL you were saying uh, Andrew but there's also a basketball resident basketball fan Jeff, can you tell us a bit more about Steph Curry being a Golden State Warriors uh, player who's a Christian? Well, there's not that much more to tell because he keeps it private. He's just like any other uh, previous NBA superstar who gets similar media attention. It's all about what he does on the court and and sponsorship deals and shoe deals and all these things that come with being uh, one of the top uh, for media exposure for being a, a star player in the NBA. But, uh, yeah, little will... I'm I'm fairly confident that the majority of fans of Steph Curry worldwide would not be aware of, of his religious ties. So whether that's uh, intentional, maybe that affects marketing or sponsorships or whatever, 
maybe that's maybe that's why. Maybe there's religious reasons to why he keeps it tight. But uh, yeah, there's there's certainly not that much more to it that we know in the public about Steph Curry and his religion. I think you are right, Andrew, that uh, people of Islamic faith are a bit more vocal about their religion because Hashim Amla is very well known in cricket circles for his proud Muslim belief. And we've also got the majority of the Pakistan cricket team also Muslim. They're very they're very uh, united in their belief and that's something that brings them together. Uh, it's ironic that when... Um, Gene Dean Jones made his infamous racially and religious uh, comments against Hashim Amla that he said, look, I honestly don't mean any disrespect. I don't have any bias against Muslims because I am friends with the majority of the Pakistan team. So, and they're mostly Muslim. So that was his defense. But, uh, Interesting Hashim Amla's thought on that controversy. Uh, if For any viewers who are not aware, and I apologise if this distresses anyone, but uh, Hashim Amla took a catch against Sri Lanka and Dean Jones was remarked to hear, he thought he was off mic, but he said, oh, look, the terrorist has got another wicket and got obviously in quite a bit of trouble for that offensive comment. Uh, and in his reflection after the incident, Hashim Amla said, well, in a way, there's going to be something good to come out of this because people will ask, what is Islam really about? And that'll bring about a discussion and hopefully they'll find out that uh, more about Islam. Yeah, I think that's a question beyond our scope on a sports show to work Absolutely. out what Islam is about. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's... But that, as from what I've heard, is typical of Hashim Amla. He's got a very bright outlook on life and, he's, life and he's a very calm person, not one to to let a little bit of controversy like that face him, but uh, I'm sure Dean Jones deeply regrets that comment now. I I've imagine he regretted it pretty quickly, yeah. <laughs> especially when someone told him the microphone was on. He didn't realise the microphone was on. It's still just as offensive if the microphone was on or off. I think that's what Hashim Just, just as a, a few more people here hear it when the microphone's on, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point, Jeff. I mean, regardless of whether or not the microphone is on or off or whether you're going to be heard by someone or you're just on your own, comments like that are unacceptable and don't necessarily have a place as a broadcaster or as, a, as an individual. Um, but, and we should respect people who do have a religious background and they are part of a team. But at the same time, there comes a time when there can be a little bit too much and an intrusion as you blur the line between sport and religion. I think going back to cricket again, apologies, guys, but there was an incident a few years ago with a cricketer from one of the Pakistani openers and Tilakaratna Dilshan, where Dilshan had just won the game. He'd hit the winning runs. He was carrying, carrying off the ground, carrying a stump, and the Pakistani opener said to him, no matter what you've done in your life, if you ask God for forgiveness, you'll go to heaven. And Dilshan said, sorry, I don't want to go to heaven. And the opener replied, well, then prepare for the fiery flames of hell. So I think that's pushing the boundaries a bit. Jeff, isn't it interesting that he, he manages to get onto this subject of Sri Lanka winning a match years ago, but 
he hasn't mentioned a thing about Glenn Maxwell's <laughs> magnificent 145 done out in about 65 balls. There's been a lot of <laughs> cricket references today. I think all of them might have been pre-2000 and not, not, uh, nothing to do no, with the... The Stilshon one was pretty recent. We suddenly seem to be living in the past, don't we? We do, do. Just quietly ignore the present if, it's, if Sri Lanka's losing. Would you like us to replay some of the test matches from the recent series? That, would be, that would be nicer than... Replays of a whole Maxwell podcast one. dedicated to the Sri Lankan 20th century achievements. <laughs> yeah, better than better than the Maxwell innings for sure. It sounds like a pretty good That's, one to me. Sounds like yeah. So, do you guys think there could be a line which can be crossed sometimes where you can? I mean, obviously, Jeff said we don't often see it with Australian sports because they tend to keep it private. But is there a line where you can push it too far? I mean, Tim Tebow's been in trouble and in controversy a lot of the time. For, for doing what, though? Dropping on one knee and praising God after he'd scored a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if that's what he wants to do, he he's entitled to, but I do wonder whether it's it's better to keep it as sort of, you know, you know your own practice and so on. Um, I suppose it depends. I mean, if you're not... If you're not trying to force your beliefs on anyone else, I guess it's that's okay. Uh, if, you, if you're trying to convert everyone else in the locker room, then maybe that's pushing it a bit far. Yeah, if you're leaving a flyer at the at each person's locker in the in the change rooms, so that well, might need to be addressed. But there's a guy called Conrad Hunt from many years ago. He used to play for the West Indies. He used to do that for the West Indies dressing room. So that was that got on the West Indies players' nerves a bit, I think, and. Um, not necessarily in a religious way, but uh, in a similar way, kind of to do with social justice and what some might call political correctness. Um, Harry O'Brien, now Heretia Lumumba, was getting on the nerves of a couple of Collingwood players, pulling them up every time they happened to do something that he deemed politically incorrect. So yeah, he was starting to get on my nerves a bit too. I haven't heard so much from him <laughs> since he's been at Melbourne, though, thankfully. But he seems to have... Settled down a little bit. Yeah, I don't seem to have heard anything from him. He's written a lately. book actually about the, his spiritual beliefs and his personal beliefs. I mean, I've got no, I've got nothing against the general views in that uh, the general objectives he might be trying to achieve are, are good. I think, but it's a it's just, just world. It's just of, a, yeah. I guess, the different perceptions that different people have as to what a particular comment or might mean, and and you know, perhaps he was a little oversensitive at times. That seems to be the general sentiment. So it looks like that's just about us, just about it from us at the Spotlight on Sports. But before we go, we'll have a quick prediction of tonight's game. So Bulldogs versus Eagles, as we've mentioned, the controversial start time of 6.15 at local time. Jeff, your thoughts for tonight? West Coast should bring it home. There's uh, certainly, they deserve to be favourites and they should take care of business. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say the doggies, but I, I just can't really realistically see it happening tonight with West Coast's uh, strength over there and the doggies having some questionable fitness of hanging over the head of some players, I as think mentioned. it'll probably be closer than some people think, but I'd, I'd go with you guys and stick with the Eagles. I think they'll be... They're looking good in home conditions and they should be able to get through this one relatively easily, but the Bulldogs will still push them to an extent. 
And the Bulldogs have had injury issues all year. This is, and they've managed to finish in the top, which is a great achievement. But it, this is where it hurts them in the finals. This is as far as they can go. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll be back next week with another exciting topic. And an hour special on the Glenn Maxwell massive innings because we missed out in this podcast. Go the big show.